Hello and welcome to Inspectech, the Olympus NDT podcast. My name is Emily Peloquin and I want to thank you for tuning in today. This podcast is all about NDT and about the incredible people that work in our industry. I've been in this industry for just over a decade now, and I'm still amazed by the incredible people that I get to work with and how tightly connected this community is. On this show, have the chance to welcome experts from the field to chat about everything and anything, from challenging applications to new trends and even tips and tricks on how to improve your NDT game. I hope you'll enjoy the unique insight that our guests are sharing with us and that it'll inspire others to also want to help in making this world a safer place. So today on the show, I have the privilege to receive Mark Davis, who is the technical director for Veriface. Mark is a very well-known person in the NDT industry. He has over 45 years of experience in welding and NDE. He specializes in ultrasonics, crack detection, sizing, and phase array. You might even had Mark as a teacher or took a class at his former school as he is the founder of Davis NDE and the University of Ultrasonics. I am really honored to have received Mark on this show, and I hope you'll enjoy our conversation just as much as I did and that you will learn from it just like I did. So without further ado, here's Mark Davis. So Mark, thank you very much and welcome to the show. I really appreciate that you uh, took a little bit of time today to chat. Thank you, Emma. It's always great to talk to you. So uh, I know that you've been in the welding and the uh, NDT industry for over 45 years now. Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. long time. <laughs> long time. Yeah, first of all, that that's really impressive. <laughs> but, uh, but also, you know, NDT is not the most... I want to say common field or where the more precisely most people don't know about the existence of NDT. So how did you stumble uh, upon NDT 45 years ago? Well, uh, I joined the Navy. I got kicked out of college in 72 at the close of the Vietnam War. And uh, I went in as a welder, plumber, carpenter, firefighter. And I realized real quick, being a welder was really a tough job. And uh, in 1975, Chief Warrant Officer D Duckworth suggested I join the Navy for non-destructive testing. And I said, well, what's that? He said, well, I'll put it to you this way, Mark. Instead of somebody telling you what to do all the time, you can tell somebody else what to do. That was his words. That's his quote. <laughs> so he gave me a bunch of Navy manuals. I took them home. I read them. I said, man, this looks like neat stuff. I've never seen anything like this before. So uh, I came back and I said, okay, I'm going to re-enlist. So I re-enlisted for four years for Navy non-destructive testing school. It was in a very uh, dark place to travel to, San Diego, California, you know, a great place to be stationed in the Navy. And uh, so I went to NDT school there. I spent, uh, I also got a $10,000 bonus, by the way, back in 1975, which was a lot of money. Wow. And, yeah. uh, you know, for I was probably 22 or 23 at that time. So that was a lot of money for me. And uh, uh, so I went to non-destructive testing school and uh, it was lasted about six months and I didn't do very well at first. I, I struggled, I was weak in math, uh, just my math skills were not great. And, uh, but I passed and uh, passed all my classes, all my exams. I did fail one uh, radiography exam. And, uh, but when I got to the ship, I studied for it and passed that one. So I w went to the ship, it was a, a submarine tender. I worked on the uh, fast attack submarines in the Navy and also some nuclear aircraft carriers. And, uh, but I just learned a lot. And I just, anytime a opportunity came up for NDT school, my, my hand was the first one to go on the air. So out of the four year enlistment from 75 to 79, I spent about a year in NDT schools in San Diego. So that's how okay. I got started. Wow, and you stuck with it uh, ever since. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, it's been a long time. Mm -hmm. But you know, the thing I, I like about this career is Everybody knows everybody. I think I told you one That's time, true. a long time ago, that you know we're kind of a fraternity or sorority. And mm -hmm. uh, I've met a lot. I had a guy that I hadn't seen in 20 years. We worked in a nuclear power plant. He saw my name on an email and called me up. Hey, Mark, I hadn't seen you in a while. So, you know, you develop some good friendships too, and a lot of great fellowships also in this business. 
That's true. Yeah, it's a very, very tight and, uh, you know, a a small but very tight industry. I do do really appreciate that, Ryan DT, as well. Yeah. And so, you know, for the people that are listening right now, you know, most most people know you as as the guy who taught them crack sizing, really, um, or or taught them face array or, you know, other skills. And so uh, all the the teaching part of it, how did that start? Where where did you decide, you know, I want to start teaching uh, NDT? Yeah, well, you never know where God's going to leave you. It's it's probably the easiest way to say it. But uh, when I got out of the Navy, I went to work for Duke Power. And it's funny, the guy that ran the Navy NDT school, Lieutenant Allum, Art Allum, who's one of my mentors besides Mr. Duckworth, uh, he hired me to go to work for Duke Power. So I worked in uh, Gaffney, South Carolina, uh, mm-hmm. inspecting and building a nuclear power plant. And then uh, I wanted to get back to Alabama. I grew up in Montgomery, Alabama, and I wanted to get back to Alabama. And a friend of mine I was in the Navy with called me up and said, hey, we need somebody to uh, do what you do down here for Alabama Power. So I moved to Birmingham, Alabama in 1980 after I left Duke Power and started out as a senior level two to become the corporate level three for Alabama Power. And then from there, I went to work for Southern Company. So my responsibility, I was the corporate level three for Alabama Power and Southern Company for uh, the Georgia Power and the Alabama Power Nuclear Power Plant. That's where I got all my level threes. I've got uh, seven level threes. Uh, I, I tried to get level threes across the board. I, I knew that I wanted to know a lot about everything, but I, I couldn't be, my expertise really was in ultrasonics and that was my heart. So mm-hmm. when I worked for Alabama Power and Southern Company back in 1982, there was a nuclear power plant called Nine Mile Point up in Oswego, New York. And ultrasonic inspector, I just actually talked to a guy that was there uh, this week. He called me up out of the blue on another project. And uh, what happened was they went in and they did an ASME code inspection on this uh, main loop piping, which was stainless steel at Nine Mile Point. They came out and said, everything's good. They follow the code exactly. So they start to plant up, they do some pressurized testing, and the pipes start leaking. Oh, no. It was intergranular stress corrosion cracking, or IGSCC. So mm-hmm. the industry, the whole nuclear power, and mainly it was the General Electric design plants, so the whole nuclear power industry panicked because here they were inspecting the pipe wells in accordance with the code and the standard, and they had cracks, 100% oh, through my. all cracks. So mm-hmm. the industry panicked, so then uh, everybody that had a, a, a boiling water reactor had to do some kind of inspection. So I, was, I became the expert for Alabama Power, or really Georgia Power and Southern Company, for our plant hatch down in Vidalia, Georgia. And so we had to go through qualifications. We had to, actually, I'll tell you one quick side story, it just popped to my yeah, mind. Yeah, please. Was this, sure. was um, they brought in a lot of different experts that supposedly knew everything they knew about IGSCC. Mm-hmm. And so they get, did a round robin, a kind of a test. So I was the guy representing uh, Georgia Power to do this. I actually got pulled out of an exam at midnight to drive to Charlotte, North Carolina to do some inspections on some pipe that was cut out from Nine Mile Point. So everybody went in there. I went in there very conservatively. And my vision then was it's a crack to approve it otherwise. So I actually passed when a lot of the big boys failed. I don't say that oh, beating wow. my own drum, but I just took a different approach. So I kind of became kind of, well, Mark knows what he's doing, he guess, you know. Right, right, and, found uh, it, yeah. So, so from there, we got qualified, so I trained my guys. We went to Airpre, we did training qualification. And so that's really where I got my, uh, I guess I started building a, a resume of sorts as a crack sizing expert. Oh, gotcha. And uh, yeah. so the blessing came in when the third guy, as I told you before, there are five men in my NDT career that impacted my career, and a guy named George Farrago that uh, was at, uh, at Epri hired yes. me to come in and be an expert uh, mm-hmm. and start teaching IGSCC detection and crack sizing. And I got there, I didn't know I wanted to teach. I just want, I took a step of faith and said, you know, that might be fun. You know, I, one, I didn't know a whole lot about teaching. And uh, so I got there and started working. And uh, I, told, I told George Farrago at the time, I said, look, I know how to work it in the field. I don't know how to work it in the classroom. But if you'll allow me to sit through three classes as an instructor, instructor wannabe, then mm-hmm. I will learn how to teach this stuff. And so uh, one of the instructors at the time, I'm not going to say any names, but he just had a different 
way of teaching. He taught, he had a physics degree and he taught way, way up high mm-hmm. over a lot. Most technicians at that time were high school educated like me. You know, we right. didn't have they college went above degrees. their heads. Yeah. yeah. I didn't have the math or physics background. So I learned real quick. I really had to get down in the trenches to teach people. That's the first lesson I learned as a teacher. So I just started liking it. And so uh, I started teaching the IGCC, started uh, teaching the crack sizing. Uh, when I didn't have students, I was back in the hot lab because we had all this radioactive pipe there. And every day when I didn't have a class, I was back in lab trying different things. How does this work? How does that work? Does this frequency work? Does this procedure? So I really am self-taught from the hot lab at EPRI. And uh, then later, the repair process for doing, uh, uh, repairing the IGC, IGCC was called a weld overlay. And that's basically where they just do a TIG weld around and around and around. It's like a big Band-Aid for the pipe. And yes, what it does, yeah. it put compressors forces on the well, would close the crack up. But you still had to inspect through that austenetic uh, coarse grain uh, material. So yes, I developed the training material to do the inspection, getting into refracted longitudinal waves. And mm-hmm. uh, that's really where I got a lot of my expertise. And then I wrote uh, a handbook on crack sizing, uh, basically on the creeping waves, tip diffraction, refracted longitudinal waves. And, and so that's just where my career started was really got into teaching at EPRI. I see, I see. And you, you wrote other books as well, right? Uh, yeah, yet, uh... I wrote, uh, I, I'll tell you this, I was never good in math. I always had a folder <laughs> with all my math formulas so I could remember the math and what have you. But, you know, if you think about it, in, indi- well, in ultrasonics or radiography, any of the methods, the only time you really use the math is when you take your recertification exams, you know? <laughs> So, yeah, I guess that's right. So it's all so, uh, then. <laughs> when I worked at Airpre, I decided I'm going to go back to college. So I went back to Central Piedmont. I, did you go to CPCC? I did. Yes, yeah. I, I am. A, 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 I went to CPCC for well, all my NDT oh, okay. program. And that's right. Yes, well, I didn't know you were from there too. That, well, I went there, but I didn't go to for NDT school. I went there. Oh, I see. I went back and I decided I, if I want to get better in math and I want to be able to teach math skills to students. So I went back and took high school algebra, high school geometry, college mm-hmm. al- oh, college, uh, high school trig, college algebra, and college trig. Wow. I took every one of them. And you know, when I grew up, I was not a smart kid in high school. And I never really studied. I had dyslexia and all those learning disabilities and things like that. Yeah. But it made sense to me now. So I aced every one of my classes. I yeah, you them. could apply it to something finally. Yes, you know? yes. Yeah, so, uh, so I ended up writing, I wrote a uh, math handbook on ultrasonics, I uh, wrote one on radiography, and I wrote one on eddy current. And uh, a guy named Ken Becker basically published the books for me, sold them. I had people that would come up to me, I mean, they sold them, I got a dollar royalty for every book. I didn't make a lot of money off of it. <laughs> but uh, AS&T sold them, they sold a bunch of them. They sold, actually the crack sizing book, they sold out at the AST show when it was first introduced. Really? Yeah. Oh, and when was that? This was probably, let's see, 1992 uh, or 93, I would say, wow. somewhere around here. I'm sure they still sell too. <laughs> well, no, actually it's out of print. I'm sure there's some out there, but here's a funny story. I get students that would come to my classes and they say, Mark, look, I'm sorry. I have a Xerox copy of your book. I copied it from somebody. I said, look, I don't care, you know. <laughs> Did it help you? Yes. Well, then that's all I care about. I wasn't right. worried about the money. But let me tell you what really happened out of that. And this is for anybody that starts their own business. I'll get in that minute. Those became my best business card I ever had. Oh, really? Yes. The books that was. Oh, yeah. People, oh, J. Mark Davis. I know. Oh, I read his book. I read his Matt Cracks. Right. And it was the best marketing tool I could come up with. That's true. Yeah. And, and it's your expertise. And so after that, people know that, uh, you know, you, you are the expert and that uh, even if you don't sell it, it's uh, that's, that's true. right. It becomes that's a, right. That's so true. then what happened was um, um, uh, Chuck Harrier, the fourth man on my list uh, mm-hmm. that really guided me in my career. Um, he basically, Chuck contacted me. He knew we'd only met once. He knew about my work at EPRI and my reputation there. I mean, I was training people from all over the world when I was at EPRI. So I was, I really had a good stature around the world on, um, for crack sizing and IGCC detection, weld overlay. And so, uh, George, uh, I'm sorry, not George, but, uh, Chuck Hellyer had a contract at Savannah River Nuclear Plant. 
And okay. uh, he said, Mark, I'd like you to come to work for me for Hellier, and I'd like you for you to go do the training. Well, he wanted me to move to Connecticut. I said, this Alabama guy is not moving to Connecticut. <laughs> it's too cold yeah. for me. So I made a deal with Chuck. So I started up Davis NDE. And again, another step of faith. Uh, it's kind of funny. I didn't know anything about starting my own business. So, But I had a neighbor that was a CPA accountant from Alabama. We became real good friends. I had another neighbor that was a lawyer. And there's another neighbor that had some marketing. And then my brother had marketing. So those, those guys basically helped me develop my entity called Davis ND. Matter of fact, my brother, uh, who's, who, who's the brains in the family, he's got the MBA, uh, his name's Matt. He, mm -hmm. uh, cause I came up with all neat acronyms about using, you know, uh, Davis and just different acronyms. And my brother finally told me, he said, Mark, look, everybody knows you as Mark Davis. You that's need right. to be named. Yeah. So that's where I developed Davis NDE Inc. Right. And uh, the original uh, marketing on it. And, and I, I'm telling you some of these things for anybody that really wants to think about starting their own business. You know, the things that I went through to do this because I had no clue. So basically he took the, uh, the AT&T logo now and it okay. was a ball or a sphere. And instead of it being lines, he created dots and it looked like a sound beam forming in the circle. Oh, very nice. That's so clever. I'll send you a copy of it, but uh, you may have seen it, I'm sure. But uh, that's how I got started. So I took a step of faith again. And so my vision was this. I figured if I could go over there, I mean, it was 42 weeks of training over three years doing mm -hmm. radiography. Uh, I didn't do mag or penetrate. I did IGSCC. I did sizing. I did all the basic class, all the guys. I figured that over three years, I could get out on my own and build my own reputation and then let that become the... Uh, where I really earned my money being a consultant and a subject matter expert. So mm -hmm. that's that was in Memorial Weekend. No, it's in uh, 1980. I left Epry in October of 1989 and started wow. up Davis ND. And, and I uh, wonder how many people, you know, how many students went through uh, Davis ND and how many people you influenced really with that company. Well, in North America, I would say I probably trained more inspectors in North America than anybody else. I, it had to be. It's got to be three, four, maybe 5,000 people I've trained over the years. So how long did you have, uh, you had University of Ultrasonics that was part of it. So how long uh, was that, uh, uh, how long did you own University of Ultrasonics yeah. for? Well, let me, let me tell you a neat story about that. So I had Davis ND, so, um, and that was in 1989. And then, in, uh, so I'd been doing training and teaching for all those years. Mm -hmm. And then uh, in 2004, uh, or 2003, I guess, uh, Steve Barabee, Karen Smith, and uh, 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 Fabrice invited me to come up to Waltham to talk okay. to them about setting up. They, I, I did a lot of training for Panometrics before and things like that. I consulted for them, and, and you know, I did a lot of marketing for them, too. And so they invited me up to uh, 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 talk to them about doing phase ray training. I had no idea what phase ray was about. So uh, Steve asked me up there, and uh, he picked me up that morning, took me there. We had a great meeting, and they said, we want you to be one of our first training academies for phased array. So it was me, a uh, Canadian company, and a British company. So I was the first one for Olympus in the U.S. So wow. what I did, basically they had a two-day sales pitch program. So I took okay. the sales pitch program. That is, this is back when it was RD Tech too. And I took that and started developing my own training program. So I developed a two-day program, then a three-day, then a one-week, and then basically a two-week training program for Phased Ray to become 80 hours. Okay? I see. I see. Okay. So then what happened was um, uh, in 2004, I came up with the idea, you know, I'm really teaching a higher level of knowledge. So I created the University of Ultrasonics. I actually have a registered trademark on it. And uh, I mean, I had people that would kind of gig me and talk to me about, what, are, you're not a university. And people would call me Dr. Davis and stuff like that, and, <laughs> you know. And I said, look, if you look up the definition of university, it just means higher level of knowledge. And that's what I'm doing. I I'm see, yeah. So it's it spent on words and then, uh, oh gosh, I just went blank. The guy at Olympus, um, he's your market, who's, who's your marketing guy at Olympus? Uh, Elon, Aaron? Ian Vincent, maybe? Oh, a, a, a French guy or? No, American guy from uh, Connecticut area. Uh, Aaron? Aaron. Oh, God. He, uh, well, he developed the logo for the University of Ultrasonics, and I wanted collegiate oh. lettering, basically. 
Okay, so it was it was somebody uh, at the time for what was it Panametric, I guess, that designed the logo. Yes, it was Panametrics, and then became Olympus, and he he developed a lot of the marketing materials for Olympus. And gosh, I can't remember his name. But he's still there. I know. I know he's still oh, there. Oh, really? But, he's still there too. But he did it. He had a mar- yeah, he, he did marketing on the side. So he deve- he checked with him and said, "Yeah, you can do this for marketing on the side." So he developed my logo for the University of Ultrasonics. That's cool. I and, didn't know uh, that. So that's where that started. And so basically, you know, I've taught all over the world. I've been in South Africa, China, uh, uh, Australia, New Zealand. I've worked. I've taught classes for you guys everywhere. And. Uh, Probably the best thing, one of the neatest things I've ever done was in, in the late 90s, and this was before the University of Ultrasonics came along, uh, the uh, Department of Energy contacted me through Battelle Northwest Labs, and they okay. knew about my expertise in IGCC crack sizing and, uh, and detection and stuff like that, and they contacted me and said, look, we have a project under the Clinton administration to train the Russians to better inspect their nuclear power plant. They had, oh. Emily, they had tube ultrasonic machines. Tube, oh. tubes. <laughs> Those are light, right? Very portable. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, It's been I mean, a little while. We came so, a long way. <laughs> so our government and the International Atomic Energy Association, we bought, oh gosh, I don't know how much equipment. They probably spent a million, half a million dollars of equipment. Unfortunately, time, it was mostly crack wow. Kramer. So they bought them probes, they bought them uh, USN uh, 50s or 52s or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I developed crack, track, crack training samples for them. I, one of the other businesses I have, Emily, I sell crack. <laughs> you try to say that when you go to uh, to Russia at the border. That's right, yeah. The, what do you got here? I got stumps. crack. No, but I, I developed... From my expertise of learning about IGSCC, uh, with a friend of mine here in Birmingham, Alabama, we developed a process of producing our own intergranular stress corrosion cracks. Mm-hmm. And wow. we also produced crack sizing samples. Uh, these were right, fatigue yeah. samples. So I, I jokingly tell everybody I sell crack. But <laughs> so I sold to them uh, training samples that I would take away. When I went to Russia, uh, the first time I went over to the Ukraine, I went to Kiev. I was in uh, Ukraine three times, Moscow, mm-hmm. Leningrad, Smolensk, wow. Lithuania, and a beautiful country, Armenia, was beautiful. I loved Armenia. We were uh, seven miles from the Turkey border every day when we drove out to the nuclear power plant, and I would see Mount Ararat floating on the desert floor every day. It was beautiful. Wow. So Yeah, the, the places that uh, NDT can bring you to, you know, the travels, if you're open to it, it really can. You know, it's a funny story. My brother says, he says, you know, Mark, you've seen more of the world uh, in your short span, and this is probably, you know, after about 20 years in NDT, than I'll Mm -hmm. see in my whole lifetime. And uh, so what I did was I I would carry 26 bags of checked luggage with me on the plane and going into Russia. 26 bags? Yes, check bag. It cost me $6,000. $3,000 in, $3,000 back. But it's and only. What was it all about? Well, it had all my tra- cracks training samples, all the oh, uh, really? sizing bars, everything I had, the electronic, my oh, ultrasonic. My. So you brought all this with you? <laughs> everything. And because oh, I couldn't trust customs to get it in. And so I'd start pulling stuff. I had a Russian interpreter and a uh, uh, government agent with me. So when I get into Russia, I kept a $50 bill in my pocket, and I'd go in, they'd, st- they'd say, what are you doing? I said, this is my equipment. You'll come in, I want to talk to you. So I would keep it, I mean, there were times I had to use it. I'd have to give them a $50 bill to let me get my stuff in and get oh my stuff my. out. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, times have changed, hopefully. Exactly. That's, uh, exactly. that's so interesting. So, yeah, they, they don't let in a lot of... Uh, a lot of tourists uh, to to visit their their power plants. I'm yes, sure. Exactly. You know, you so that's re- exactly. So that's one of the things that I, I've got to do. But I tell you, Emily, the most important thing that I've been able to do, and I and I really, uh, I really, um, I'm trying to think of the word. I, this is one part I really love about my job is the people mm-hmm. I met and the young men I trained. And so there's probably oh gosh, I would probably say there's a dozen or more people that actually push to get an NDT. Right. And uh, yeah. I'll tell you one short story, and this is kind of a neat one. Uh, Dow Chemical had a uh, mm-hmm. ammonia plant down in Durban, South Africa, and this okay. is back in the uh, late 90s. And uh, this was the sister plant, it was old Union Carbide plant. You remember Bhopal, India, when the chemical plant leaked the cyanide gas and killed everybody in the village? 
You may be too young oh, for well, that. Yeah, I think I'm too young. Wow, that's that's, that's yeah. terrible, though. Long when time was that, ago. do you think? Well, the sister plant is in Durban, South Africa. So I'm getting okay. ready to leave to go to Russia. I've got two weeks to pack and get all my equipment together, get all my affairs and orders and stuff like that. So the level three at Dow Chemical calls me up and said, Mark, you got to go to Durban, South Africa. I said, I can't go. I'm leaving for Russia in a few weeks. He said, now nah, you got to go. We got a big problem down. We have a crack in the vessel down there. And see, the problem is the vessel, it was an uh, ammonia reactor. The byproduct mm -hmm. is cyanide gas. So they were coming into their growing season. So first they were worried they couldn't produce ammonia or urea uh, uh, for the fertilizer, for the cane fields and stuff like that. Secondly is cyanide gas. So I said, look, I can't go. He said, look, you got to go. I said, all right, if I fly down there, I got to fly first class because I need to sleep on the plane, go in the vessel, do the inspection, get out, fly back home to go to Russia. He said, you probably thought they'll never say yes to that. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, go get a ticket. So the plane, tic the plane ticket was $10,800. Oh, my. He said, come on. he said, come on down. I'll meet you down there. So we flew down there, and I go in and uh, had a, uh, a state inspector with me because they wanted to see what I was doing. They didn't believe I could size the cracks. And I had to size them from inside the vessel. Okay, that means oh. I had to wear a mask, a suit, and everything because of the cyanide gas and everything. Oh, but wow. uh, uh, the neat thing was uh, I got in there. So the first time I told them, I proved to them they didn't have cracks. They'd done a bad penetrant exam, so it looked like cracks. But I proved to them with creeping waves, it did not have cracks. Okay. So okay. funny story, move forward six months, the exact same thing happened again. They go and do another inspection. They say, Mark, you got to come down. So another $10,800 ticket down there. So I go down there, and I proved to them this, this time they did have cracks. I was sizing the cracks. They ground them out. They were, I was within about a millimeter to two millimeter of the depth of the cracks when they ground them out. So it allowed them to go in and run the vessel, do the inspection. But here's the, the interesting part of the story. I met a young man there, and uh, his name is uh, uh, Martin Womerize. So he was kind of a level two inspector with a state group. So he was kind of my right-hand man. I got to know him. I saw him the first time, the second time. And he said, Mark, you know, I've been trying to get into the U.S. He said, it's really dangerous down here in Durban, South Africa. He said, when I travel around South Africa doing non-destructive testing, he said, basically we go to the grocery store and we have to buy groceries for my wife for two weeks so she can stay locked in the house. It's so dangerous oh. there. So I worked to try and get him into Canada. I tried to get him into the state. He played rugby. He thought he could get in on that. Well, here's a funny story. I was teaching a class for, um, uh, I guess it was Olympus at the time, down in Australia uh, okay. with, uh, um, oh gosh, uh, Dave Hermanets and, uh, oh gosh, um, um, oh, not Martin. I can't think of the guy down there. So I'm doing a class down there uh, on phased array. So I'm telling the story because one of the things I, I really enjoyed about when I taught was I was always able to relate stories of this crack or that crack. Or I'd mm -hmm. had to do because you were you went in the trenches. There you, you go. Which, Thank yeah. you. That's right, the trenches. So I'm telling the story about, and I mentioned this young man. I said, look, I, young man was great. He helped me. He was kind of helped me with everything. And I said, I've been trying to get him in the U.S. And a guy, uh, gosh, I just this thing I hate when you get old. You can't, I remember names and faces, just not at the same time. Uh, Chris, oh, Chris Jones. His name was Chris Jones in Australia. He worked for one of the inspection okay. groups. And uh, oh, Max Graham. Max. Uh, Max yes. Yeah, Max is the guy down there. So Graham. he was part of this. Okay. 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 So I'm teaching. I'm telling him this story about this, and so I tell the story about this young man. And so Chris Jones in the back of the class raises his hand. He said, "Mark," he said. We have a program to text eight expatriates from South Africa in Australia. So now the young man is in Perth doing NDT over in Perth, Australia, just because of my connection with Chris Jones. Wow. Yeah, it's, again, such a small industry. And, yeah, you can really have a lot of... You've been a mentor, I'm sure, for a lot of them as well. I, I try. Um, <laughs> I yeah, try. And, and, you know, and so that's something I, I meant to ask you. So you did mention, you know, you mentioned Chuck Hillier, obviously, yes. as your mentor. You uh, mentioned also uh, George Farrago, who actually, uh, I remember in the uh, North Carolina chapter yep. for the students, we, we had uh, a, um, a golf event uh, to his honor, actually. It was called the uh, annual right. uh, George Farrago uh, golf um, tournament. Uh, but uh, so this, 
obviously two names I'm very familiar with, but you said you had between four and five mentors. Yes. So you haven't you haven't mentioned, mentioned the other ones. Who are the, they? Uh, the, uh, well, I mentioned George Duckworth, the man that uh, recommended I get into non-destructive testing, and then Art oh, Allen, yeah. who is the lieutenant of the uh, school uh, at San Diego. He was over the non-destructive testing school, and then he hired me uh, to go to work for Duke. Matter of fact, I still get emails from him every day. Uh, we still keep in touch. He's a great guy. And the, the one I left out was my friend Bud Epps. When I left Alabama Power, I went to Southern Company. Bud Epps hired me to come over and be at Southern Company. So he basically uh, depended on me to build the, uh, the NDT program for Southern Company so we could manage the contractors for either Vogel, for Plant Hatch, or for Farley. So Bud uh, kind of was my, uh, was my manager and supervisor, but he always told me, he said, Mark, he said, just make sure you do it right. And he was always there to back me up. I mean, I remember the first time I had to go before the Nuclear Regulatory Commission to tell them about our inspection plans and what we were gonna do and how we we're gonna do it. And even reporting later, I was so nervous to do it. And Bud just kept telling me, take it easy, Mark. Just take a deep breath. You're going to do good. Don't worry about it. You know what? Mm -hmm. So he was really a good encourager because, you know, I'm sure, Emily, when you first got started, too, when you had to get up in front of people and make presentations, it's scary. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, scary. It can truly be. Sure. And, yeah. uh, I mean, even today, I mean, of course, I'm not doing as much teaching. Even when I taught so much, there were times that I felt, uh, I guess, intimidated, too strong word, but you just felt like, okay, I got these engineers and these doctorate levels of guys out there, and yeah. I'm going to tell them the right way to do things. And so you, <laughs> That's you, right. you exactly. feel a little bit intimidated sometimes. For but, sure. Yeah, and you want to get it right because the, the consequences can oh, be yeah. really important. Oh, yes. yeah. And yeah. they have the math and physics degree a lot, bit, lot smarter than I do, but I've learned, I've learned one of the things I've learned to do too when I teach, I, this is something I'll tell you this, is that one of the things in that first class I sat in through that instructor, is there was a student in there asking the instructor questions and the, and the instructor couldn't understand his question or the student wasn't explaining right so they just bantered back and forth they kept saying well this that <laughs> finally the instructor just told the student said hey there's a principal called kiss keep it simple stupid mm -hmm. i thought this student was going to punch <laughs> this instructor so i learned i learned very quickly that if i didn't know the answer the best thing to do is to tell that student look why don't you and i get together at lunch or after class let's sit down and talk about this or right. or maybe i don't know i learned that's one thing i learned too is i know when to say i don't know yeah instead yeah of it's trying to equally act like important that's yeah. right oh yeah that's that's a good that's a good advice especially you know <laughs> teachers i think when you're in that position where a lot of knowledge is expected from you and so it it kind of it, it becomes that thing that you also expect yourself to have all the answers but it's 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 fine not to know it's uh, you can't nobody know knows everything that's exactly right. yeah. exactly yeah, and, you, and i know you know that in your job now too yeah oh yeah i really try uh, i i say i don't know very often <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so, uh, and I know also that technically you have retired like four years ago or something. Well, like that? I, I call it semi. You really can't retire, right? Because you, ha you haven't stopped. Yeah, that, that was uh, where it was going with that. So, you retired, but truly, you're, you yeah. still have plenty of projects, right? Well, so, I do. But and the reason I retired, well, what I think what you're saying is I sold the University of Ultrasonics in 2012 to mm -hmm. Miss Ross. I stayed on. For three and a half years, my contract required me to stay on for three years. I think I stayed almost four. And finally, I just said, look, guys, uh, I've had fun. Uh, Y'all need to start running this now. So now they run the University of Ultrasonics out of Houston. We did have offices in Birmingham, L.A., mm -hmm. and yeah. Houston. Now it's just Houston. So, so I say I'm semi-retired, but I'm still actively involved with the committees. Uh, I serve on the ASME Code Committee. I, I don't do, travel as much as I used to with that, but... Of course, I still serve on the AWS committee. And then, of course, mm -hmm. uh, we started up Veriphase in 2011. Yeah, can you tell me a little bit about Veriphase and, and what uh, what you're doing for that? Yeah, yeah, Veriphase started out really, um, my brother and I, uh, my brother, like I said, my brother's brains of the family. So we had this vision that we could set up a, you know, a lot of people were taking really bad phase rate data out there. They weren't doing things right. They were taking mm -hmm. shortcuts. They weren't following the code. There was non-code compliance. So we felt we could set up a quality assurance program to, to be the third-party group to look at phased array and to make sure people was doing it right. And some of our first projects were some big legal 
uh, uh, deals where one was a, a power plant up in Wisconsin where they uh, claimed an inspection company did the initial inspection on their pipeline using phase rate did not follow the code. He missed a bunch of defects. They brought in mm. two other consulting companies. I said, yeah, he was wrong. He screwed up. Well, I went in, I knew what was wrong. And basically they were too sensitive. They calibrated on procedure qualification flaw, flaws instead of the 10% notch in, in the pipe block. Mm, so I saved okay. my friends, I won't mention his name or anything like that. Saved his company. We did a wind tire project where a company was doing phased array on it and they were, oh, it was the sloppiest data you could ever see. So yeah. that was a, a legal one. And then basically we got started uh, with Veriphase. We had a project with San Diego Water and they were running 16 miles of pipeline. Mm -hmm. And so we were brought in, I qualified the, that's one of the things I did too was uh, when I worked for the American Petroleum Institute, I was the uh, administrator for the QUT exam. I developed okay. the crack sizing exam for them. I developed the phase ray exam. I developed the erosion corrosion exam. I did that for 10 years from 1993 to about 2003. Uh, so I did a lot of qualifications. So what San Diego Water wanted me to do was to qualify the phase rate procedure that their mm -hmm. contractor would bring in and then qualify the operator. So through my tr all my training samples that I had at the University of Ultrasonics at the time, so we qualified them. Well, what was happening, the wells, it was basically a 69-inch diameter pipe a uh, 20-foot long can, and they would put it inside the concrete pipes, open up, and then they'd do a long seam weld down the length of the pipe and do phased array on it. Okay. Well, it was taking 45, and this is this leads into really where we're at today with Veriphase. It was taking them about 40 to 45 minutes to scan with four probes uh, that 20-foot long weld. Well, it was right. taking five, six, eight hours to analyze the data. Oh my. So what yeah, was happening? That's a lot of data to look oh, at. it is. I mean, if you think yeah. about it, 20 feet of weld is 80 data feet mm -hmm. every 40 yeah. thousandths of an inch. So that's 4,000, I think it was 4,900 and something data points you had to look at. Oh, wow. And, so, and yeah, it becomes really, uh, you, you know, you get your eyes become really tired to look oh, at yeah. all that yeah. for a while. <laughs> and, and, and to yeah. echo what you're saying, you're exactly right. So they would go out and they would scan data on 10 pipe welds, 10 cans. Mm -hmm. Well, they would take two or three days to analyze the data. They were doing yeah. it up late at night, watching the Super Bowl. They were, you know, drinking beer in the hotel room, whatever. You know, <laughs> oh, they got distracted. And so the minutia yeah. of data, so basically what happened, San Diego Water ended up throwing phased ray off the job, and they went back to convince oh. UT because, if, if you remember, schedule takes precedence. So they went How back do you to, say that again? Schedule? Schedule takes precedence. In other words, they were so far backlogged trying to keep up with the welders that they yeah. stopped phased array and they went to convince UT because they could scan it faster and accept oh. it. Yeah, I see. So what happened was my brother came to me and uh, again, my brother's not a technical guy at all. He said, Mark, we have to figure out a way of a technology that we can build this company around. So uh, working with Chris Magruder and uh, mm -hmm. uh, basically he gave me some books and I got some other books from Michael Moles around was around at that time yeah. um, and, and really Michael Moles was one of my mentors too he was really good we wrote we wrote papers together on crack That's true. sizing you and quite a bit with him right? yes and yeah. then the handbook that you guys developed I reviewed that but yeah. um, so basically I sat down and figured out a way how to analyze phase ray data using a computer Okay. And uh, so today, by the way, you probably don't know this, but we just won our sixth patent the other day on our technology. Oh, congrats. No, I didn't know this. Yes, we this just won the six. We, so what we've done is we patented technology. So basically, you remember that 20-foot long weld that was taking five, six hours to analyze? Yep. Well, if we run it through AD, ADT, it's called Automated Detection Technology, mm -hmm. we can process that 80 data feet in less than 30 seconds and tell you where every defect is in that weld. Wow, so it flags it for you instead of having to go through all the data. It, That's it, right, uh, exactly. And, and the analogy I use with people, if you've ever been down to the white beaches in the Gulf region uh, around Alabama and Florida, yeah. if, I, if I told you, Emily, you had to go down there and find three pieces of black sand on that white beach, <laughs> right. They, Basically what we do, no, thank you. We, I know I'm not going to do that. We get rid of all the white sand and we say, 
there's a piece of black sand, there's one there. And right. we automatically uh, dimension the length and the height, 6 dB drop, because there's a lot of, when you go through and scan data, I mean, you've got to move cursors and, and find a 6 dB to the right, find a 6 dB to the left, you right. know, the upper and lower. So that takes time. So what we've, we jokingly say is we've broken the sound barrier on phase ray data analysis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, okay. Yeah, I see that. That's yeah. true. Yeah. So, so you think that it's about you know, it, it, it makes it faster by. Do you have a, a ratio of? Uh, oh yeah, we get we get rid of ninety five to ninety eight percent of the non relevant data in a wow. phase ray exam right. because everybody's chasing shadows. Oh well, there's something yeah. or there's something or and here's the problem: you see something in probe one. Well, let me go look at probe two. You go to probe two. Well, I don't see anything there. Well, you go to probe four. You forgot about probe three, so you miss a defect. Right, right. And so yeah. basically what ADT does is using a computer to basically uh, improve your schedule. You get it done faster, better, cheaper. You can mm -hmm. save money because you're not spending four, five, six hours to analyze the data. And you, uh, uh, reliability, you improve reliability. So now the computer, you know, the guy gets tired. He looks away. At, he's watching TV while he's analyzing data. He looks away. He misses a defect. So basically right. improves reliability. So I call the, ac right. the acronym is called SCORE, S-C-O-R-E, Schedule, Cost, and Reliability. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it uh, removes a little bit of the human error, that's for sure. That's, that's right. And then the other aspect thing. of it to add to it is this, is that we've we put scan check in there because uh, if you talk to Chris Magruder, a lot of the people have been out there for a long time doing da uh, data analysis, only about 50% of the data collected today is 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 code compliant mm -hmm. only 50 percent so with scan check what we do is we actually run the data first to make sure for code compliance like loss of coupling data dropout you know index position the scan plan all those things get thrown in there and so now right. we not only can we do that but we can verify the data was collected properly yeah and that can it's easy for algorithm let's say to to see that quickly but for the for human eye you know you need to open all the data and look at everything oh, yeah. and so exactly yeah. good point yeah. yes and so so i guess it, it, i had a, a question in mind for you earlier that you know since in my mind, you're you're an entity person, of course, but you're also kind of you know entrepreneur and inventor in general. Yes. And and so, you know, from from that point of view, what do you think like is the next big thing for the NDT industry? Do you think that's that's AI, or do you think that's you know somewhere else? Where do you see the industry going, basically, in uh, maybe ten or twenty years from now? Well, it is, it is we are develop we are going to AI. Matter of fact, uh, Elon Musk, you know about the uh, Hyperloop. Uh, yes, in California. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that Elon Musk told his people, because I've talked to the phase rate, I trained the guys out there at SpaceX uh, oh. also, is that he says he wants to automate everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's Especially, from, you know, this time where the pandemic, you know, that we realized obviously uh, it might not be possible f to go in manufacturers and be as close as we used to be. So right now I think it's really relevant as well, um, especially for the manufacturing side. Exactly. And yeah. so what we've done with ADT, just to address that question, is is you, you use the term artificial intelligence. And uh, mm -hmm. what I think we're doing now, I call a different AI, I call it automated intelligence. Right. So basically, and you know, really, the the way the software works, and and we've got a we've got a guy named Dr. Archie Cobb, that's the brilliant scientist that developed our software. Um, we've been able to go in and write algorithms, and these are not published algorithms. We developed these ourselves. I don't know how many lines of code it is, but we're headed toward uh, automated intelligent data analysis, is what I call it, AIDT. Okay where basically we can now, and, and a lot of it is, you know, you think about it, Emily, if you sat down and wrote down, you're gonna go analyze some data, you've been, you've been doing phase ray for a while, and mm -hmm. so you have a suspect indication, what's the first thing you look at? Amplitude. What's the mm -hmm. second thing you look at? Location. What's the third, the fourth, the fifth? You have in your mind your own hierarchy yeah, yeah, of how yeah. you go through an analysis. So what we've done, as my brother says, We've taken the mind of Mark and written it into the software. Right. Yeah, because if you taught it to people, then you can teach it to a, uh, a computer. To, to a computer That's as well. Right. Yeah, of course. That's right. Yeah, there's a now, logic. Yeah. My, my original vision with ADT was not that 
the op that the computer was going to make the decision because I didn't think the code, I didn't think the industry would accept in the beginning, but I yeah. wanted to be able to get rid of the non-relevant, you know, much like a gate. What does a gate do in convention UT? It gets rid of the non-relevant stuff, so anything that breaks that gate you want to look at, right? That's right, yeah. So I wanted the guy to focus his skill set on basically, you know, he, you know he, he wastes so much time stroking through this, stroking through that. But if I tell him there's a defect here at 2.6 inches, he can go through there, look at all four indices, and use his skill set and say, okay, that is a crack or that is a non-fusion. Right. So that's it's what a I'll, highly focused uh, analysis, basically. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And then later, uh, and we know the code is looking at this. We know ASME code's looking at it. We talked about it on AWS code. At mm -hmm. some point, the computer, now I will tell you this, in my vision or my opinion only, mm -hmm. in my lifetime, I don't think we'll see it where the computer makes the final call. Yeah, you, know, it's you just think like, it would be, it's, it's, it's too soon, we wouldn't be comfortable, or the technology is just not there yet? And that's my point, is, you know, even if you, you take the rocket they're getting ready to launch, the SpaceX rocket they're getting ready to launch, okay? Computers yeah. are doing everything, but guess what? There's a bunch of human overrides there, isn't there? Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's so that's true, what I sure. think we're doing now is that we use the computer to help us, but if I need to overwrite, wait, I'm going to do my analysis. I think we'll come up with a point where we're going to get to uh, uh, intelligent data analysis or AI machine learning, what have you, but I don't think we're there yet. I, I don't yeah. think we're there yet. So getting the, the uh, I mean, the codes are looking at it now. Uh, I mean, we've got NASA using our software right now. Oh, really? The, so uh, ADT, they are using it? Uh, yes, to, up, uh, in, up in Huntsville, Alabama. They bought oh. the, I think, the first or second license. Uh, of course, we got the wind tower people using it. Uh, we're, you know, the big industries are the wind tower, the, the high production, high volume fab. Uh, we were working on a project for an orthotropic bridge where uh, we, can, we can use ADT to inspect orthotropic bridges now. That's really interesting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to see where all this will be going, but that's uh, that's extremely interesting. Yeah. So uh, what we've tried to do, just one last comment there is, that, yes. and this is the reason we've, we've applied for patents, is we feel like this technology, uh, we can control the market with the technology because right now nobody can use a computer to do what we're doing and not violate our patents. That's and how, that's that's how powerful sorry? it is. Uh, can you repeat the last part? And not what? Yeah, they can't. They right now you can't use a computer to analyze ultrasonic data uh, like we are doing unless mm -hmm. you violate our patents. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. Okay. And so, um, so I guess my my last question would be: uh, so for for the listeners or for somebody who's just just starting in NDT. What would be your word of advice to for them to be able to succeed in this industry? What do you think it takes uh, to succeed in NDT? I, I think it's reputation. And uh, oh, yeah. what I tell my students, and uh, I'll tell you one other story in a minute, but what I tell my students is keep your nose clean and work hard. Because somewhere, <laughs> somebody's going to know what you're doing, what you've done, where you've screwed up. So work hard, keep your nose clean, don't take shortcuts. And, uh, you know, I, I, I tell you one story. Uh, one of the, the guy that's teaching the, at the University of Ultrasonics now, what yeah. I used to always tell my students, I said, guys and girls, there were a bunch of girls in there too. I said, one day you'll be Good. standing on this side <laughs> of the table where I am. You know, I'll be yeah. old and retired. And I said, one day you're going to stand on my side of the table. You're going to be teaching. And you have to keep your nose clean and work hard and learn and learn and learn. And you will not, I don't know everything. And what's funny is the guy that's now running the University of Ultrasonics, Shane, I can't remember his last name, he called me up after he took over the, uh, the training with uh, Mistros. He said, Mark, he said, I'll never forget your words. He said, I, he called me up. He said, I'm doing what you told me I was going to be doing 15 years ago. So you, you taught uh, Shane? Yeah, I taught Shane. Oh, yeah, he was one of my oh. students when he was over at, uh, at, Chev at Chevron in Pascagoula. Oh, I did all the training. I developed their, their phase rate program for him over there. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. That's so, great. So, yeah, uh, Shane uh, Walton, right? Yeah, Shane University. Walton. That's it. Yeah, yes. great young yes. man. And he was just an up-and-coming level two when I first taught him. And, uh, oh, I'll tell you one thing I did years ago, too, uh, with Akron. Um, I went to Mike Creech and Dave Bajula. I said, look, y'all can't keep buying everybody up. At some point, you got to build from within. So I mm -hmm. developed the Zero to Hero program for them. So what they zero did... Zero to was, Hero. Okay. Zero to Hero program. And so what they did... 
I said, if you go buy a company, you can get them, but you also inherit their problems and people problems and all that. I said, why don't you yeah. build from in internally and let's move them up through the ranks. So uh, what I did was I did an introduction NDT program. It was a one week program and they brought in over six classes, uh, about 20 people per class. Um, basically guys that were delivering pizza the night before they came to my class. <laughs> wow. And so what we did was we took them through an introduction to NDT. And so my vision, I told them all about NDT, where it's used in racing and wind towers and nuclear power plant, everything, all methods of NDT. I still have the program. It's a three-inch thick binder. And uh, basically they ended up keeping about 60% of those guys oh, working wow. for Akron. That's a John, good rate. John Lock, you know, John, is it John Lockhart or John Lock Lockwood? Uh, for uh, over at company? Akron, over at Akron. Lockhart. Lockhart, yeah. yeah. He was one of those guys. And if oh, I remember really? if I remember correctly, I think Shane was one of those guys. Wow. So those guys we got that we got that career from yeah. it. That's amazing. That was the Zero to Hero program I developed for Akron. Wow. So yeah, I wish I, I wish there would still be some of that because I mean, you know, we're clearly lacking of people in the industry and uh, and uh, and it's a great, it's just a great industry to be in. So oh, it if is. more people it, knew and, about know, it and could, that, that's very you know, good. There was a guy I talked to the other day that uh, he was he got finally got off the road. He was making one hundred ninety five thousand dollars a year with a high school education. Wow. Yeah. Now he was yeah. gone eleven and a half months out of the year. Doing. Yes. So, oh, and he got off the road, but, but, but you can do whatever you want to do in this industry. Uh, I've got some Navy guys. I've got, I've gotten a lot of military. Matter of fact, I've, one of the awards I won years ago was the, uh, uh, the advancement of NDT in the military industry. The work I did, I got the first ever award from AST. Again, I'm not saying that to beat my own drum, but because of what I tried to do to inspire men and women to get into NDT. And by yeah. the way, do you, in closing, do you know what NDT stands for? <laughs> Well, I heard some customer telling me it's need done today. But yeah, nothing doing today or no damn time. Uh, I'll I tell you a funny story. Uh, on NDT.net, so one of the forums, what have you, they put out there, somebody said, what does NDT stand for? And so they went through all the acronyms we talked about. And uh, <laughs> then this one lady chimed in. She said, no dating time. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's what it stands for. <laughs> That's right. No dating time because you're so busy. You'll be traveling and you'll be busy. So That's no right. Dating That's time. right. I love it. I love it. Well, Mark, thank you very much for all your time. I'm not going to take any longer. I, I really appreciate uh, all your insight and, and truly everything that you've done for the NDT industry. So so thank you. Thank you for you're welcome. Uh, to, uh, to have answered some of my questions. And I really hope we'll get to uh, chat uh, some more. Uh, Will some, you let some, me know. I, I, it's an honor. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm honored to be the first one on your list. And, and thank you so much for thinking of me. And, you know, as I, as I tell everybody I talk to, Uh, you know, if ever I can help you out, call me. I said, it's not that I want to bill you for time, but I'm happy to help. And I, I just, you know, I've, I've learned a lot. And why, why keep all this knowledge in my little pea brain? I'd rather share it. So as I <laughs> tell everybody, if you need my help again, you call me, okay? Thank you, Mark. I'm lo really looking forward for next time already. Thank you. <laughs> you too. Thank bye you. Bye-bye. Wow. Isn't Mark Davis great? I absolutely love talking with him. If you enjoyed our chat, please feel free to comment or like this episode. And if you would like to hear someone on this show, or you would like to be on the show yourself, just email us at podcast at olympus.com and you could be our next guest. In the meantime, thanks for listening. This was Emily with Inspect Tech, the Olympus NDT podcast. Take care and we'll talk soon.